Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Scripture today is Psalm 20. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. God, we uh, come before you. Thank you. Can you help us see? For those of us who claim your name or want to claim your name, some of those realities. NBC Church. There is a moment in our collective history that many generations after us may have a very difficult time believing that it happened. You may actually have a difficult time believing that it happened. In the year of 2020, uh, some of you may have not known this, but there was a pandemic that struck across the world. Uh, it was known as the coronavirus, and uh, I'm sure many of you could never have imagined living in such a time. There were crazy things that took place during that year. People did crazy things during that year. People became so fragile and panicked at one point that one of the greatest resources that everyone needed to make sure that they had was toilet paper, right? In history, this moment is going to be known as the toilet paper stampede, okay? This was when society panicked. It was as if no napkins, no paper towels, and showers no longer existed. And everyone, and I mean everyone, needed to go get their toilet paper. And all stores across uh, America and in other places experienced people just rushing in, trying to find toilet paper wherever they could go. We told people over and over, it is not a matter of supply and demand. It is a matter of panic. And still, everyone went out and collected more toilet paper. Your grandkids' grandkids are going to have a hard time believing that this ever happened. Greatly appreciate the theme music. One of the most telling stories that happened during this time 
maybe the most revealing was at one point there was a video that went viral. It was of a pastor, someone doing uh, what many ministers do by speaking to a church and saying, hey, you do not need to give into this craze. You do not need to fear this. The Lord will provide for you. And the reason this video went viral is all while this minister is speaking this to his church, in the background you can see there are crates upon crates of toilet paper back behind. I could not find you the literal imagery of this video. I'm sure they've tried to take it down at every single place that they can. But I find the imagery to be extremely helpful in describing what it looks like, not just for the life of one believer, but for the story of any believer that's wrestling to believe in the claims of God. Every single day we wake up, we claim God, but we don't always claim the realities that come behind God's name. Dallas Willard, who was this famous philosopher, very trusted, said, we always live what we believe. We just don't always live what we profess. If I asked you to close your eyes and describe to me God, I'm sure many of us could wax eloquent about the things we want to say about God. That God is loving, that God is generous, that God is kind. You could do it with the best of them. But then if we looked in the larger frame of your life, those things you know, for some of us, we would say that God is extremely generous. But then when we get to the counter and someone asks for a tip, we wrestle with, should we even tip them? We may say God is extremely forgiving, but we can't imagine not forgiving that family member or church member that did something at the worst time of their life. We say that God is what we absolutely need every single day. And every morning when you wake up, you reach for caffeine in itself. What we believe about God or what we don't believe shows up in every single act. And often the disconnect causes us to be fragile people. In the signs of trouble that we have in life, we talk a really good game of all these claims about God, but then we're going to be just as protective, defensive, oversensitive, reactive, and have a scarcity mindset as the rest of the world. So how do we change the disconnect? How do we connect what we believe and say about God and what we actually do on behalf of Part of our maturing in God is not just claiming God's name, but is also claiming the realities behind God. In the scriptures, one of the ways that God's people have done this is they fix the gap between what we believe and what we do by fixing our eyes and our minds and our hearts on the reality. People would use the scriptures to actually fixate and remind themselves of the realities that are true and actually enter into the reality that Scripture talks about. And for the next couple of weeks, I would like to start a series that just actually introduces this idea. 
and we actually take God at God's word, that there are realities you can claim in believing God through a series that we're just calling Psalm 23. It is some of the most boldest claims about God that we can enter into. And the whole premise behind this series is as we fix our eyes on the different nature and name of God that's claimed, we may just come to know God in a new way. Now, you may have heard of Psalm 23 before. You may have heard kids recite it uh, in front of adults. You may have seen in movies. It's quoted in one of the most meaningful moments of it. And I've even sat by bedsides of people who are in their last breaths who have said these words. Psalm 23 is a song of the Bible that is written everywhere, but very few people have allowed God to write these words. Today we go to the first verse of Psalm 23, verse 1. If you have a Bible with you, you may want to turn it open. I would suggest like bringing a Bible with you. Every, that always works well at church. Always bring a Bible with you. Uh, but you may also want to bring a Bible that you can actually write some notes next to it as we slowly walk through each verse each week. Today we start with verse 1. And I simply want to point just three realities about God that Psalm 23, verse 1 the three things of God that I want you to get this morning is this. That God is existent. That God is personal. And that God existent person. The first one. God is existent. In Psalm 23, verse 1, you immediately find the Lord's name and nature that happens. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Now, anytime when you read the Bible and you immediately see uh, the phrase the Lord, that is actually that's a replacement name of the title of God. The beginning people, they found the name of God so precious that they wouldn't even speak the exact name of God. Anytime you turn in your Bible and you see the phrase the Lord, it's always capitalized in all four letters. You find that it is describing two of God's names, Elohim. And Yahweh. Elohim meaning God is powerful and creative and governing above all. And then Yahweh, the God who is existent, self-sustaining, and eternal. One way of saying that the describing of Yahweh is actually saying that God is self Existent, As one of my favorite writers says, God creates, but God was never created. God makes, but God was never made. God causes, but God was never caused. So when someone comes up to you and they ask the question of who made God? No one made God. Because if God was made, God wouldn't be God. God is self-existent. In the Old Testament, one of the first people to reveal Yahweh, God, was a man by the name of Moses, who, when he meets this God and dialogues with this God, this God sends him somewhere. And what's the question that Moses asks before he goes? He goes, what, what do I call you? When people ask for your nickname, your street name, what, what do I tell people? 
And what's he say? I am that I am. Christians throughout history have said another way of saying that is my being sustained my being. In essence, the good news that you first need to hear, the good shepherd that you can claim in your life, is that God has been existent long before you. And God will be existent long after your final breath. God's nature means that God doesn't stop being and God does not change God's being. So let me let this hit a little closer. What's that mean? Well, maybe on a day like Mother's Day, where some of us, when we come to church, this is a really hard. It's not lost on me that every time we use the phrase mothers. Some people, it's a great word. For other days, some people don't come to church. Good news, you can. God. Is that even though. People who matter most who may not exist anymore. Even though people may forget, God of the world never. Death is unnatural. It rattles. It is not the way that we are made in the image of God because God, who is self-being, self-evident, self-existing, we are made in the image of God, so we long to always be. This God does not forget even after our final breath. He holds our existence even. And the other good news is that God is constant. If you've ever been in a painful relationship with someone where you've been like, you know, you've changed. And you haven't changed for the better. There's none of that with God. God is who God is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You know, people commonly say the phrase that life is fragile. And on some days, I really like that phrase because what we're saying is, is that life is a gift. But the invitation of God is that you do not have to live life in a fragile way. There is a God who is there behind you in all of your existence. You know, one of the things I used to hear growing up all the time from was, uh, you know, enjoy this moment. Enjoy this person. Because one day all you're going to have is memory. I'm not sure that phrase is actually right. Not with life with God. That when someone stops at their final breath, they don't stop existing. It's one of the hopes of God. You do not have to live fragile in this. The second is, is that God is personal. When Psalm 23 reaches to describe God, it says that God uses the metaphor of God is shepherd. There's plenty of places in the Bible where God is trying to be illustrated and it's very impersonal. It, God is rock. God is king. God is cloud. But in Psalm 23, you hear that the Lord shepherd. In a farming society, if you hear shepherd, you think of someone who walks with the sheep who is personal in and among. The shepherd cares and is engaged. 
A shepherd knows the sheep by name and the shepherd calls and speaks to the sheep one by one, individually and shepherd God. Do we see God as one who God? There's a, a movie that uh, portrays probably our mindset that we have towards God a decent amount. Uh, it's in one of the most well-known movies. Uh, it's actually the movie Gandhi. There is this moment where Gandhi, this lawyer, is actually walking with a middle-aged minister. And they're walking down the street. And at one point, a gang comes out in front of them. And the movie sets it up to where you get the feeling of they're about to be mugged. They're about to rough them up. And in a last minute before the gang actually pounces on them, their ringleader calls out to the gang and says, leave the two men alone. They move away. And as the two of them walk forward, the minister says, gosh, we got extremely lucky. And Gandhi looks at him and says, I thought you were a man of God. And the minister says, I am. I just don't believe that God plans his day. What's heard behind that phrase is what many of our mentalities are towards God. That we recognize, we claim that there is a God somewhere out there. A God that got the ball rolling and then basically is just hanging out in the back room wondering if you will find him and look for him enough in your life. And Psalm 23.1 does not describe a God that is hands on. Psalm 23.1 describes a shepherd who is in and among, who cares for the sheep and guides the sheep. And you know, maybe for some of us, we think about God's guidance in our everyday life, and we either think one of two things. We think, you know, I've been burned in the past thinking about God that way, so I'm just not going to think of God that way. Or the second is, we may have such a high reverence for how great God is that we're like, He don't care what I'm eating for lunch. He doesn't care. He's so great. He's got bigger things to do. He's got more important things to do than my everyday life. And I guess I would just like to pause and just say, you are important enough that God sent His Son to us, for us, died for us. This God is so great. His greatness literally is the reason why He can get in the middle of your day, in your everyday life. You may wonder, like, does God help me with parking spots? And I have no idea how to answer that question. But the one thing I do know is that if this God is so great, He's a significant God that shows up over and over again to insignificant people in the Bible. This is a God who says love is in you may think to yourself that you're not great enough, important enough, worthy enough for this God to come and guide your life. The stories of the Bible say that this God cares, that He has personality, will, feeling, and values, and He has concern, and He wants to guide you. One of the invitations I just invite you to is if this feels kind of challenging, that God actually enters into our day and can guide is just opening ourselves up to the possibility that this God may be more involved than what.
So I don't know about praying for a parking space. You go throughout the park, you can do that. But how about a life where before you walk into that meeting that you've been treading on, what if you ask for the strength of God? What about as you're having a conversation with your kids or a good friend and they're asking you for some of their thoughts, what if you actually ask, Lord, can you help me have the mind of Christ as I have this conversation? What about the beginning of your day and end of your day actually starting on your knees and just asking or thanking God for the sustaining ways that God works? And maybe if you think to yourself, you know, I've, I've, I've never really perceived the voice of God in my life before. I would encourage you, the first place to start is get around the sheep. If there's other sheep who are hearing his voice, get around those sheep and be like, what are you guys hearing? Because I ain't hearing anything. Spend time with the good shepherd. And see the ways that you've got. And then finally, the third is, is that God, God comes to us and brings. Now, often when we hear the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or I lack nothing. Our Western ears hear no more bad things will happen. I wish that was. But when we hear this in the frame of when this psalm is written, it's not a promise that no bad things are going to happen. It's a promise that there is peace in the midst of whatever bad thing in life. You know, traditionally, Psalm 23 people think was written by King David. And historically, we actually think David was not writing this when David was a shepherd. We actually think David was writing this on the back half of life. This is when he was king, when he was up on top. And he was writing about his life, playing these things about God. And one of the things I just want to remind us about David is nearly every bad thing that you wake up dreading in the morning happened to David. I mean, all of them. And David still claims he's my shepherd. He guides me. I mean, think about it. some of your worst nightmares in life. Dismissed by family, hated by your boss, betrayed by your friends, left behind, have to leave home. Some of your worst moments on public display to other people. All of them happen to David. And David says, still, no matter what, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing and I can find What David came to know through God, you can know through what the scriptures call the son of David, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 13, it literally just says this. Now that the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good, doing his. And may he work in was pleasing to Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. There is a God available who will shepherd you and give you peace. How does He give you peace? He gives you peace through the blood of His Son. He gives you covenant, not just relationship, covenant. People walk out on relationship all the time. You've experienced this. People like, I want friendship with you. I want relationship. And then you tell them what shows you watch. No, I'm out of here. You know, I'm not doing this. 
This is way more than that. This is way more than just 40 years of friendship together with someone. God establishes covenant. God's way of saying, through the blood of my son, I'm not leaving on the best days or on the worst days. And what does this God do when we don't when we don't leave him and he's just with us? He equips us. He is working in us, in our lives. And you can have peace even when it feels like life is fragile. This God in existence is working in your life. In other words, you may not get everything that you want on the God will give everything we need. Claim the Lord is my shepherd. Is to say that there is a God who exists over me. There is a God who wants to personally guide me. I do not have to create my world. This God will show me how to navigate. And finally, this is a God So why, why do I think we should, we should dwell in Psalm 23? I think we should dwell in Psalm 23 because we're coming off of some years where we've just become very fragile. We've become very reactive. We've been very defensive. We're not up for taking any risk in life because we just don't know if we can handle one more thing. And the promise of Psalm 23, you do not have to live life. This God there's a writer that is talking about resilience right now that he's just taking the world by storm everyone is just wanting to know what's it like to be a resilient person you feel like you've got some inner fortitude in life and that if your coffee order is not wrong your whole day is just messed up one of the things that he writes is he says our response is telling in life when things go ways that we don't want them to or changes happen our reaction is the most revealing. He uses this imagery where he talks about some of us are candle flames and some of us are flames on firewood. Wind extinguishes candles. It just does. One blow, it's all gone. But wind, wind to a campfire, fuels them. Maybe the question I want you to answer is lifetime more like a candle? Or is it more like fire? Just the hardships you're facing in life, the things that make you feel fragile, do you lean into the good shepherd? Or do you feel like you've got to do that? The promise of God is do not. God, you'll build resilience up in you. These things will not pull you over. The wind and the waves, they do not have to blow you. You can have the Spirit of God. You believe that. Uh, so God, I sense, uh, sense this morning for a lot of us, we, uh, we wrestle. We wrestle with our life experience of, of knowing you as a good God, I pray for those of us who we want to know what that means. We want to claim those realities. 
You are good. You are leading. You are holding our very Can you give us reminders? When we feel moments where we may be defensive or reactive or not want to take a risk, you remind us that you are. God, for those of us who were in a heavy, we're in a hurt, can you come and come and that you need to remind us that you are. You can bestow upon us still being able to continue the next day. You want to know.